The Artist Talk Series is presented to you by Pulpo Gallery. Visit pulpogallery.com to learn more. from Pulpo Gallery, where we are currently showing a group exhibition, Thinking Out Loud. This show brings together 11 international artists, and tonight I have this amazing chance to talk to one of them, Noah Becker. It's so nice to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Likewise. It's actually really interesting because normally you are on the other side, you are the one asking the questions um, in your podcast. Why Shot Magazine, and this is actually how this whole connection just came up because um, you had an interview with Rosemary Feider, one of the artists with whom we did a solo exhibition back in summer. Um, and then you talked to Nico and Katharina Zeifang, the owners of the gallery. And so this whole journey began. Uh, you have so many talents. You're a musician, a producer, an art writer. But tonight, I really would love to talk to you as an artist and talk about your paintings, uh, one of them I have behind me. Is this a role for you that's something new or it's been always there to, to also be an artist? Uh, I've been a painter my whole life, basically. And then other things kind of evolved um, around, around painting and uh, And also um, just uh, being interested in drawing from an early age. Mm -hmm. So first drawing and then painting or was it parallel? Yeah. And how did it develop for you? So it sounds like you've been drawing already as a, as a child, as a kid. Was it something that you were passionate about and, and tried to focus on later on or? I think it was just about imagination. Mm -hmm. and dreaming mm -hmm. and it still is kind of about imagination and dreaming in a certain way mm -hmm. is this something that's been always a topic or maybe it's something that's in your motives as well just imagining and dreaming of a place a landscape or, or a theme I mean I think it's interesting when the line between dreaming and what we know as reality kind of gets confused a little bit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think painting or poetry or anything like that can kind of transport you into a different way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. On a very basic level. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess from this feeling or from this moment on then you can basically go into well out of out of that sort of um wellspring of um abundant sort of thinking and and creating um other things can can, can sort of come out of that mm -hmm. and, and create and you create like sort of um things that you revisit in your work, things that you revisit in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, and it becomes like kind of a, a wellspring of, of creativity that you can draw from to sort of, and sometimes it's not there. Sometimes it takes a while to get back in the studio and, and actually like produce something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
So I guess once it's there, you can use it for, in your case, for many things. So not only painting, but also maybe poetry or writing or for music as well. Or is it something that you only focus on in your painting? Well, I think there's there's two things. I think there's there's skill and there's um, like actual physical creation. Mm -hmm. And there's people who have a lot of skill, but they're, they're actually not that creative. And then there's people that are really creative, but they don't have a whole lot of skill. And I think, I think, smart, I think smart artists know how to find a way to express what they want to express and overcome any kind of like obstacle that might, um, get in the way of their ability to express what they want to express. Personally, I paint and draw with a certain amount of ability that gets across my idea. But some people don't have the, uh, they don't have, they don't have the skill to get their idea across. So it's just a question of, of how much skill you need and, and what, what skill means. Like, is it is it actual drawing and painting ability? Is it your idea? Because there's skill in having good ideas as well, mm -hmm. as you know, being a curator yourself. And also to just to get the idea out. So I think that's, that's what makes an artist an artist or any kind of creative job for sure. It's really interesting. Yeah. And you just mentioned that sometimes it's hard to, to get back to the studio and actually produce something. Um, do you work in phases? So do you have like times where you feel inspired when it's just flowing and, and you are in the studio a lot? Or is it something that you schedule maybe and you go to the studio every other week? Um, or you just wait until there's a time when you feel now now it feels right. If I knew, I would bottle it and spray it on my face in the morning so that it was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't entirely know what that is. I think um, there's a devotional aspect to it because if you don't believe that what you're doing is worth doing in the midst of a kind of like um, esoteric involvement. There's a, a lot of sort of esoteric, you know, like it's kind of like trying to say like, do, are you inspired to put on your makeup before mm. you go to the party? Yeah. Then, you know, it's like, it, is it necessary to do it all? Um, but I think that when something comes out of nowhere, then on at a certain point, I become the audience as well as the artist. And so one of the reasons I like producing a lot of work is because I forget about things along the way and then, and then I can actually experience them like from the perspective of an audience member as opposed to being behind the creativity curtain. And then suddenly I'm free and part of part of the the part of the fun of experiencing the art myself 
Because oh, I don't always get to, I don't, sometimes I'm just so, so involved in the creative process that I don't, um, I don't in, like always have the chance to be in, to consume it. Yeah, totally. I think that's actually a really special ability to actually catch this moment to step back and really experience your own art and not only just be in the process, finish it and then send it away or put it away, whatever, but just like be the viewer right. for the moment as well. It's actually something also, right. really, I guess, difficult for many artists, but it's really important as well to, to see it. It's true. It's yeah. true. Absolutely. So let's try to be a viewer for one moment. I'm standing in front of one of your works. It's in the exhibition. Can you tell us a little bit more about the title itself? What's this? Right. Well, this had a title kind of from another, there's another painting that has a similar figure in it, but doesn't have that kind of background. It has a different background. And it was called The Prodigal Son. It was just sort of loosely based on the idea of the prodigal son. And, uh, and in this case, it was kind of like a, a figure passed out, passed out. I'm not sure if they're sleeping or they're drunk or whatever it is, but they're, um, you know, kind of, they're not interacting with the paint, the painting itself. They're kind of, they're in another, they're in another world. Yeah. So you don't really know, maybe maybe the whole environment is what they're dreaming, or maybe it's an environment, you know, I, I don't know. It's like usually when you have a painting of a figure, the figure is really part of the show, yeah. so to speak, or part of the drama. Um, so I wanted there to be a figure there that was kind of like part of its own drama that didn't necessarily have anything to do with whatever was happening in the rest of the painting in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Absolutely, and that's actually, I, I've got the same feeling when standing in front of her. So most of the viewers are asking themselves as well, is he part of this landscape or not? Because even, even his figure, I mean, he's passed out, he's absent, but somehow he's so, just like melting together with the landscape around him and in his special aura that um, this idea of it's being a dream or being a dream around him um, comes out a lot where we have visitors so we heard that and can you tell a little bit about these tones they are part of many of your paintings um, right well I kind of like the idea of something having psychological weight like if it looks like it's a thousand even though it isn't a thousand pounds just that feeling that there's a lot of weight in the painting somehow and that then that that weight is um an illusion but also a psychological reality in a certain way so that it's not because if there wasn't that because like the physicality of a landscape, oftentimes people paint a landscape, but they don't, there's no kind of like physicality to the landscape. Or maybe like a grounding to, to hold it down. Correct, a kind of grounding, yeah, that sort of thing. And also spatially trying to, trying to construct something where it's not about the naturalism of a landscape, but it's, a, it's about, um, 
the landscape being manipulated by an artist. Mm-hmm. So it's natural things, almost like land art, almost like a reference mm-hmm. to land art or something like that, a reference to sculpture. Yeah. I think about paintings as spaces as opposed to um, as opposed to surfaces, so to speak. And um, within that space that things can be installed and then out of that comes a kind of installation, so to speak. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just to, it's even like kind of gets this feeling to, to really like an installation. So just like you, to having the stones all around this this the part it's just really interesting how how it gives it space and like a completely different kind of emotion Absolutely. right and most of the stones that you paint also in other paintings they have either noah or mb so your initials on it and right. when did you start this um well i was doing a lot of uh pictures of of scenes and there was graffiti showing up in on on them and the graffiti was kind of based on graffiti that I saw on the Lower East Side in New York and and I and this one I thought I would just invent a name or invent my a graffiti tag similar to graffiti tags but that was my own name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ever done street art or graffiti yourself? No, no. but I've adapted some of the style uh, mm-hmm. for my own uh, purposes yeah. and, uh, and created um, versions of the style. And I've interacted with some of the people who are street artists and graffiti artists. There's a differentiation between street art and graffiti. I'm not like a huge street art fan. I'm more, more interested in graffiti just because of the, ca- the calligraphy of it. I, I like the, the calligraphy, the, uh, the hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what we can see here as well. And one more question that's actually coming from a lot of our visitors as well um, is about all of those polka dots um, because they are um, in this painting, both in the background, and you can see some on the socks of the figure and, and on the, in his um, t shirt as well. Where does this come from? It, it's, they're called Bende, Bende dots. B-E-N-D-A-Y, and they come from Roy Lichtenstein. And also like a little bit of a Warhol reference, they have that, it's that kind of like dot matrix printing that they would do, uh, like old style printing. And it's also kind of a reference to pop art. It's a way to create texture. It's a way to kind of use color in a certain way. and. And it's a way of just kind of expanding the textural lexicon of, of the surfaces and that kind of thing. And it's somewhat, I feel like it's somewhat contemporary. It has a kind of like a, a contemporary feeling. And it also, it also very much like flattens out the surfaces that it's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because all those references are important but in this painting with you I really like this idea that it's both on the figure and in the background so it's it's um, makes it just a whole um, when you start in front of it for sure 
Are, are you most interested in painting as a curator? Uh, no, actually, I'm really open. So also in this show, we have everything. Um, we have painting, we have um, also sculptures and installations. So it's, it's a combination. Okay, I won't. I won't start interviewing you. You can. <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask the question back. So how is it for you? Are you only interested in paintings and drawings, or have you tried? Uh, I like those the best, but I also enjoy. Uh, the his some of the things from art history that are sculptural and, <laughs> and but it's got to the point where my work almost uses art history in a in a sort of uh, not disrespectful but almost kind of like uh, uses art history for certain purposes to be almost sort of um, familiar to for a kind of like create a familiarity <laughs> absolutely. But it's also, I think it's, it's really hard as an artist when you have such an art historian knowledge. So you can use these references and you can create this. I don't, I, you know, I'm not a trained art historian or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I've read a lot about art and mm -hmm. I know a lot about art, but um, I try to, I try to balance out a very strong intuitive center with something that is maybe what you could call um, left brain. <laughs> if, I don't know if some people believe in the right and the left brain, but I'm not a I'm not a I'm not completely uh, right. I'm not a really like a fully right brain intuitive kind of person, but I also don't plan everything out in advance. So, but I I'm deliberate. I don't plan things out, but I am very deliberate with certain certain things. So do you do sketches before starting a painting or? Lately, I've been doing drawings okay. and um, NFTs as well. That's actually the next question. So how, because it's a whole new form of art um, for you as an artist, but also for the entire art world. Um, how is this experiment or are these new tries for you? Uh, well, I was kind of pulled into it, not knowing very much about it. And it's a very young art form. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the, the newness of it. <laughs> is this the and I'm, enjoy I'm enjoying the excitement of like where it could sort of expand to and what it, what it can kind of open up into. <laughs> and I'm seeing that hat like, you know, the NFT years are like dog years, but like <laughs> art world years are like much uh, slower. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's this fast world and there's this very kind of slow world. And, and uh, together. what's that? And now we're trying to bring them together. So basically just. Yeah. Together. I mean, they're two very distinct worlds so far. There's a little bit of crossover. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit of um, I'm a little bit of crossover with the uh, with that stuff. Um, so it remains to be seen how far it will actually go to sort of sort of combine yeah. into. I mean, right now it's like very early. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. 
But do you think so? I mean, it's just a prediction, but do you think that it's going to melt together or just like join at some point? Well, the aesthetic of crypt of the crypto art movement is decentralization. So I think there'll always be people who are trying to stay kind of outside the central trending interior of everything. And then there are people who will gravitate towards that. So, and I'm in touch with people that are very centralized and people that are very exterior. And I think it's just kind of like, it's, um, it's hard to put a shape on, on what the art world is gonna be like in the next four or five years. I think very different. I think so too. It's really exciting, but uh, you can't really predict how it's going to be. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And for you as an artist, so to have just two really different forms, painting and NFTs, um, how is the process of creation itself for you? Is there anything that's similar? So do you have any kind of rituals or something that you do before doing an artwork? Um, or is it always something different? Well, I always had a lot of natural ability to get my ideas across. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess there's a, there's a part of it where I just, I do it and then later on I'm like, kind of recognize, starting to recognize my creations as being a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And then kind of having, having a fan moment where it's like, oh yeah, right, I, I do. It's like, I don't just, you know, I don't just follow that. I actually like, it's something that I'm, is, I'm interior to, I create that. So I like to, I like to enjoy what I do, but it's taken me a long time to like, feel like I'm, feel like I'm um, a fan and a participant and a creator if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's like the borders are really close and thin. So between all those feelings, how how to put them together right. and how to feel everything at the same time, for sure. Right. Um, one question actually from Katarina, um, who uh, sadly can be here today, but she's uh, also a huge music lover and you're a musician as well. And she was really interested in why you are painting or drawing. Are you listening to any music? Oh, um, I've actually been listening to podcasts while I paint, or maybe I did listen to some music recently. Um, it's been a lot of jazz over the years, mm -hmm. and there's been a kind of improvisational rhythmic influence from jazz into the painting. Um, and then that brings up like questions of the connection between music and art. Uh, I usually say that a painting happens over a period of time and there's a rhythm to that. There's a, a kind of like a certain rhythm to that. And there's a certain rhythm to creating music. Record If you're in a studio and you're recording music and you know, it's like out of that involvement, mm -hmm. there's a, it's more like directly like rhythmic. Um, you record a piece of music once, you make a painting once, 
Um, and while that's happening, it plays out in a certain, within a certain period of time. And you experience music with, let's say it's a two minute song. You have to, or a movie or anything that's, that's, um, that has that kind of time, time aspect to it. You have to watch a movie or listen to a song for a period of time. If a painting took a month to make, you could look at a painting for three seconds and walk away or not look at it at all. So the actual experiencing of a piece of art, um, it, it's not a two-dimensional piece of art. It's not, it's not necessary to engage with it, to experience with it, to experience it. If you have a song on your iPhone or something like that, you have to listen to it to, to experience it. Yeah. I can just not look at a painting at all and imagine it isn't even there. Yeah. But I can't say that, I've, that I know what a piece of music is about unless I sit there for X number of minutes and actually experience it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you can experience people that stand in front of paintings for long periods of time and experience them in that way or, or re return to looking at them. I think there's also an aspect of music and art that that stays in in your subconscious and um, plays out in your subconscious and and certain things compel you and certain things don't compel you. Certain things draw you in and and kind of bring you back and certain things you're just kind of like not interested. Even if they're good things, maybe they don't appeal to that one person's perspective on. I don't know. You know what I mean? Totally, and I think that's that's the special about art that this whole process can even happen hours, weeks, or months after seeing this artwork or listening to the music. But it has this um, power of, of evoking all those emotions. So absolutely. Yeah. It's such an interesting comparison, and one thing that uh, actually just came to my mind while you were talking about it: How is it for you with paintings? Do you ever come back to a painting and? repaint parts of it or add something to it or as soon as it's you know it's... yeah i mean if i'm working on it if i'm finished with it i generally the part of the excitement is accepting what happened mm -hmm. and knowing that you you are you're committing to a certain you're committing to a certain involvement mm -hmm. and once that once you once you do that involvement you know, you're in it, it happened, and you kind of get yourself into the mindset of seeing beauty in your adventurousness and your openness to letting something be born. And the more you do that, it's a little bit like Chinese brush painting. If you're familiar with Chinese brush painting, it's like, they dip the brush in ink and then they do the, the thing and then it's done. And it's a very like one second painting. But you need so much spirit. Actually, I tried it myself multiple times. Right. It's great. <laughs> right. I find it very hard too. I, I tried it for a while, but I'm thinking like the conception of a work. It's like I can do a drawing or, or an idea for a painting and then I can execute it. And executing it is kind of like a little bit of carpentry but then also painting is like kind of like furniture 
it needs it needs somebody to rep, it needs people like us to talk about it for it to kind of have a basis in conversation as opposed to just sitting there. Yeah, so it's very exciting when a work of art is talked about. Yeah, and exhibited us here. Um, actually, Definitely. That's the next question. What's coming for you next year? So we have December 2021 now. Um, this exhibition is still on for two more weeks. What are your plans for 2022? 2022 is a big place and I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot, uh, I mean, I have a lot happening every day. A lot of new things happen every day. And I've had a lot of shows in 2021 and uh, I have some tentative things coming up that I'm working on. Sounds really exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was so nice having you here. Thank you very much for this conversation. We really hope that you will be able to visit us in Bavaria. I think you've never been here when I remember correctly. It's beautiful during this season, but maybe next year we'll, we'll have the chance to be here. That would be great. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for talking. Bye. The Artist Talk series was presented to you by Pulpo Gallery. Thank you for listening.